Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and featuring Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion, the Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail. And it does it in style, just like Dead Soxie. Visit DeadSoxie.com and enter promo code RebelGrove at checkout for 30% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now... Here's your host, Neil McCready. Welcome into another edition of the Soft Bubble Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. I'm Neil McCready. That's Zach Barry. We'll be with you guys for about 40 minutes or so here this morning. Going to take some of your questions from rebelgrove.com, talk some recruiting and whatever else may happen to come up during this time. Before we get started, I want to tell you that uh, we're brought to you by Dead Soxie. It's deadsoxie.com. They're the best socks you put on your feet. Whether it's the no-shows or whether because it's gotten a little chillier outside, maybe you want to get some of those traditional socks. They uh, keep your feet nice and fresh. They stay up. You'll never have to bend down, pull your socks up. That's a promise. They're absolutely fantastic. All the styles you could possibly want. Everything is right there at deadsoxy.com. D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Enter promo code REBELGROVE at checkout. You get 30% off all of your orders. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257. 1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is up to you. Uh, 662-257-1900. Zach, how are you? Good afternoon, Neil. <clears throat> That's, uh, I, I guess I should answer your question. I'm doing, I'm doing fine. Um, it, was a, it, was a big, it was a big day uh, here. We have uh, the last, I guess, graduation from the day school. Oh, uh, moving on to full time next week. So today was the last day for uh, the little man, and uh, they were the, the folks there were kind enough to throw him a, a pizza party. Oh, that's great! You can't yeah. beat a pizza party. No, absolutely not. Um, they had a Halloween parade this morning, so, uh, so that was a good time. He dressed up. Uh, he went as a lobster. And uh, surprisingly, did not fight the costume at all. Really? Yeah. Left it like we were debating on, do we want to put it on, then put him in the car seat or wait till we get there? So we just put him in it and put him in the car seat. Didn't mess with the the little head or anything. Like, I mean, it was great. So Big day. Lobster and, uh, and a pizza party and yeah. a parade. Can't beat that. That's for sure. Uh, all right. I opened it up for some questions. Thought thought we haven't done this in a while. Maybe we'll we'll get some fresh topics. So Rebel Commodore wants to know what's with all the decommits. I didn't know there were a bunch of decommits. I knew there was one decommit. What's what's with all of the decommits? Technically, technically, two can be all. Um, (laughs) Yes, one could be all. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Demarcus Smith was. A while back, it feels like forever ago. I think he just honestly wanted to rethink some things. I don't think – I'm of the opinion that Elijah Sabatini is probably thinking about Georgia pretty hard right now. Uh, you, you know, it's typical with recruits. When they decommit, they say, oh, no, no, I'm still considering X school, even though I just decommitted. I don't buy that. Um, Usually if you tell the girl, you know what, I think we should see other people. 
there's someone in particular that you have in mind and it's not her. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Matt Luke, obviously recruiting Sabatini being from the coast. Uh, the Georgia offer is enticing. I mean, you know, who could blame him? It's a big, big time program. Uh, if they have room in that class, then, uh, then yeah. Uh, this one gets asked a lot down the road, so we'll get to it in a minute. We'll start here. I, I prefer the specific ones. It's just it's easier to answer. What are Ole Miss's chances with John Lewis? Has Ole Miss lost any recruiting momentum after the last few disappointing performances on the field? Uh, I'll, I'll answer the second one first. I don't think they're losing any kind of momentum at all. I think it's very evident that they need help on defense, so I see uh, a lot of opportunity there for – recruits um and then yeah offensively uh they're still performing at a high level uh corral is still playing well yeah this is if you want to say the arkansas game was a disappointing performance on the field okay i didn't think the auburn game was a disappointing performance on the field if we had had this conversation in august and i'd said to you so here's the deal with four minutes left in the game ole miss is going to have the ball and a one-point lead over Auburn. That's all I tell you. Because you go, well, can I ask you this? I said, nope, you don't get to ask any questions. Do you take it? Yeah. The answer's hell yes. For that matter, if I had told you in August, play along for a minute, tell me if I'm wrong. If I told you in August, with three minutes left in the game, you're going to be down six with the ball at Arkansas. I mean, you might be like, really? But, I mean, that could be worse. The thing is, is, is they haven't I, – I, and I know it's just fandom, and I understand that. I, I, I just don't know that people fully grasp where they were, what the situation has been, and where they are today. I, it, sometimes, it, honestly, it, it, it makes me feel like I've kind of failed because I, I think I look at this from a pretty neutral perspective, and the expectations are – they're too high. Yeah, and I, I told somebody yesterday that was like, man, one in four, that's such a tough spot for, for Kiffin. And even without, you know, okay, COVID-19 is a thing. So that's been tough. But also, outside of the Arkansas game, this is exactly where I personally thought they'd be and I think where most people thought they'd be. Nobody thought they'd beat Auburn. I no. think everybody was kind of like, all right, Maybe they get Kentucky, and then they got a good shot to beat Arkansas. At this point, this is exactly what you thought it'd be. So. That's what I think. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I thought they had a shot to be two and three at this point going to, to, to Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, and, and looking back at it, they had a shot to be three and two, but they could, they could also be 0 oh and five. So, mm -hmm. you know, in the whole toss-up thing, they've had Florida beat them fair and square. And if we're honest – Alabama was just more than Ole Miss could handle that day. They, they, might yeah. never, they might never have stopped them. And so they've had toss-up games with Kentucky, Arkansas, and, and Auburn, and they're one and two, which is, you know, one game under where you could realistically hope to be. If you're three – I wouldn't want to be three and oh in those three toss-up games because it would tell me that next season I was due some bad luck. <laughs> yeah, uh, unless you're Auburn. Um, yeah, but, well, and they're, they're probably due some bad luck right now. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, they, they probably are. They, yeah. They've had a couple of fortunate breaks. Universe might ride itself this weekend. 
well, that's kind of usually how it works. Whether it's this weekend or down the road, there's going to be something yeah. that doesn't go their way, and you're like, oh, there it was. Well, and and it's I, the baseball team that's 25 games over 500, and you look at their run differential, and it's plus seven, and you're like, whoa, yeah, they are they are flirting with disaster. <laughs> yeah, I, but this schedule was always set up for the back half to be where the momentum was was had. I mean, outside of A and M, correct me if I'm wrong, Neil. And you and you talked with with Chris today, and he talks to a ton of people around the country. Outside of A and M, the rest are toss ups. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, uh, no doubt. South Carolina is a toss up. Mississippi State, frankly, Ole Miss is probably gonna be favored a little bit against Carolina and State. <laughs> the lights going right now in Starkville. There'll be an underdog against LSU, but it's it's possible, and, and they'll be a consider. If if the game were played today, they'd be a considerable underdog at at, at College yeah. Station. Uh, so John Lewis, did you you didn't so, answer one? Right, yeah. Uh, so he's added a couple Power Five offers, uh, Ole Miss and Florida State. So obviously the ties to Mississippi there with the in-state program and Ole Miss, and then Marcus Woodson, who's now at Florida State. Uh, outside of that, Central Arkansas, I did say yesterday on the board that uh, Taylor Polk was the one who gave him the offer, his first offer, I believe. Um, I think his only other offer is Jackson State. I think the new staff there, Dion, and those folks have offered him. Uh, he's, I'm working on getting in contact with him. Um, it it kind of remains to be seen. Is he going to jump at the early opportunity to play for Ole Miss, the in-state program? Uh, or is he going to, you know, whoa, I've – I got Ole Miss and Florida State coming at me now. Like, is he going to want to take a step back and and see what else he gets? I don't know. You know, who knows if he grew up an Ole Miss fan or not. But um, you know, Germantown's in the middle of playing a season right now, so maybe he wants to continue playing and being a senior, being a high school student, and then decide later. Uh, we'll see. Once I get in touch with him, I'm going to try to ask him a couple questions and see if I can get a feel for it. But for now, uh, Ole Miss has got as good a shot as any. Uh, how many recruits? This is kind of a two question. It's a numbers question. Which is, these are hard. How many recruits do you think Ole Miss ends up signing in this signing class, not including transfers? And then how many transfers slash grad transfers do you think that they uh, add to the roster for next season? Uh, so right now they're at 15. I would say they just off the top of my head, the names I think they're going after the most. Taiwan Malone, obviously. Luke Altmeyer, Brandon Buckhalter, Ty Cooper, McKeelan Pounders, uh, MJ Daniels. That's six right there, and I haven't brought up any JUCOs. Um, and, and there are probably three JUCOs out there, so that's give or take eight or nine additions. Um, so, yeah, I'd say they're probably going to be anywhere from like 23, 24 to 26, and then they're going to have some roster turnover. Yes. No doubt about that. No and, question. Uh, so they're going to have some spots. People and say, then, yeah. how much? I don't know. A lot? A good bit? Yeah. Hey, listen, here's the thing, right? And, and this, is, this isn't just Ole Miss. This is everywhere. Do your guys that are seniors who now have, have an extra year of eligibility, do they decide to come back? Do they decide to leave? Throw in a very real prospect of a one-time no-penalty transfer. Guys suddenly decide to come or they decide to leave. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. to. There's People go, I want some firm numbers. It's impossible. I mean, 
I don't think if you sat down with the entire coaching staff right now and they were being honest that they would be able to give you a real firm idea on numbers, maybe a range, but they wouldn't be able to give you anything specific because they don't know. Yeah, there's no way to know. And then the portal is just, it's going to be a free for all. There are guys entering right now, middle of the season that, I mean, there's dudes that have played in 2020, but they're just like, nah, I'm, I'm leaving. So it's, it's going to be a lot of wait and see. I mean, I've put up most of the guys in the portal that I think that they'll look at least look at that they have some ties to, but yeah, there's no way of knowing they're going to have to evaluate and see who comes back, who leaves, who transfers out, um, who takes the extra year that they're given. I mean, that's, that's the big kicker. So um, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts, so there's no way to truly know an actual number, but I feel comfortable in, saying they'll probably sign anywhere from 23, 24 to, you know, 27, give or take. You mentioned uh, Luke Altmeyer. Hill Rebs wants to know, has the smoke gone out with Luke Altmeyer? I don't think so. I, it's, it's not like he's going to be on Twitter throwing out hints, and uh, I don't think there's any reason for him to decommit right now, especially living where he lives. Um, he can always just kind of wait. I think that uh, the um, – I would say for what Florida State has looked like and what Ole Miss has looked like, especially at quarterback, it's pretty evident that Jeff Levy and Lane Kiffin know what they're doing. So how does the rest of the year look for Florida State? Um is it going to be more of a shuffling at the quarterback position? Are they going to uh, stick with who they have right now? It, I think it sets up perfectly for him to come in next year and be the understudy for Matt Corral and for him to, you know, play a mop-up duty, redshirt, whatever, and then take over after that. So I don't think the smoke's gone. Okay. So there's still you, Have you heard any different? I've not. Okay. I've heard literally the same thing. Uh, any big 2022 high four slash five stars that, that you feel good about at this point? Uh, 2022, I think um, I think the big one is obviously Walter Nolan, uh, the guy who uh, was at Olive Branch, then went to IMG, and then now is at St. Benedict in Cordova. He's the uh, – He's the big one. Um, I think as far as he goes, it's, it's Tennessee or Ole Miss right now. Um, he's probably the only five-star I would give them a legitimate shot at. Um, it's, it's really early. It's obviously yes. another cycle away. I mean, if you, if you held me down and maybe give you one more, uh, I'd say maybe Cam Dewberry. From, uh, from Humble, Texas, big offensive tackle. Um, with the, the staff has a ton of ties in that state, so um, they got an offer out to him early, so maybe. But, yeah, Nolan's the only one right now as far as a highly rated five-star. Who knows with what is going on at LSU? Uh, Kamari Rogers, the kid from, from Lexington, he committed to LSU last year. Um, Maybe he opens things back up. Maybe he gives Ole Miss another look with the new staff. Who knows? But those are probably the, the two big ones right now. 
So uh, I need you to get this right or else. Next three players to commit to Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> um, next three. I'm trying to think if there are any out there that have actually given a hard date. Um, With no official visits out there, I think a lot of kids are waiting in in wait and see mode, but I would probably lean in state and I might go a couple flips. All right. Um, I think Brandon Buckhalter is just kind of buying his time, um, especially with right now, Neil, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like this staff might be, and I think we're going to get to it eventually, is looking at we got to find some impact receivers because nobody is stepping up right now. Yeah, so let's just go there because it's hard to name who the next three are. I don't know. I, who knows? I, I, Kids, I don't know. Where are their needs? Where are there not needs? Yeah. Well, the, the obvious one is, is defensive line. Defensive line, outside linebacker, they simply absolutely must be better on the edge on defense. I don't think people realize how horrible they have been on edge setting. Mm-hmm. Be able to make plays off the edge, turn plays back into linebackers. They've just been awful at it, and it's a talent issue. Yeah. They, don't, they don't have enough of those guys. That's, 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 I don't know if it's need number one, but it's way up there. They are woefully bad at safety. They've got to have some guys who can make plays at safety. You go back to the Auburn game. People talk about the, the, the kickoff. They got so much play, and I understand why. I do. But that long touchdown the, over the middle of the field to Seth Williams. Oh. That's a ball that's just thrown up. That's an interception. That, it, a good defensive back, that's a, that's a pick. That was a Bo Nix mistake that turned into a touchdown, basically. I know they tackled him at the one, but they scored a play or two later. It was a touchdown. That was, to me, that was a bigger play. It's like when people go, you don't give the officiating thing enough credit. Okay, I, I, I do, but there's so much more, and there are plays that, that's a safety that just didn't make that play, and truth is, he never makes that play. They don't well, that, make those plays. Well, that and the, yeah, and the go-ahead touchdown at the end, where I can't remember and I couldn't really tell in the game, but the Seth Williams catch down the sideline. It was a back shoulder throw that was a bad throw. And then the safety took an awful angle and then falls down, and then he just trots into the end zone. I mean, that right there, it's either got to be – a break on the ball, pass, break up, or you make the tackle. And, yeah. Well, there were so many times where they had opportunities in that game, and, and they, just, they just didn't get it done. So, defensive back is a need. Mm-hmm. Um, defensive line's a need, big time. That's um, a need every class. Yeah, and, and, but they've got to start getting impactful defensive linemen. Um, I, I think guard to guard on the offensive front is a need. They've got yeah. to be able to get more physical. And then, like you said, They've got to get more wide receivers. Elijah Moore's leaving. And when he does, I don't know what's left in his wake. A couple of guys who've been inconsistent, but they're going to have to go out. It's where I think Lane Kiffin could really sell to some high-impact players. Hey, we, we're going to throw the ball. Look at our numbers. Yeah. We don't have anybody other than Elijah. 
Well, it's goes had moments, but he hasn't been consistent. Um, I don't he's know. What had he, his, he's had his moments, Neil, but he's got the highest drop rate in the conference. That yeah, it, yeah, it can't happen. No, so they don't trust him that much anymore. And then the other guys, I mean, Miles Battles on defense now. Uh, uh, I mean, Braylon Sanders is a shell of himself after yeah. the injuries. Yeah, no, it's. I think it's it's a monumental need, and I don't know whether Yabo is coming back. So you've got you've got question marks there. I don't well, I don't foresee a scenario where Elijah Moore comes back. I'll be honest. I, I don't see that happening. Well, right now, I mean, we're keeping track of it on the site uh, over at Red Cup. He's on pace still to break AJ Brown's single season receptions record in ten games. So I mean, that's your recruiting pitch right there. You come here and you be the dude. We're gonna get you the football. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, as of right now, in my opinion, Braylon Brown is signing with Ole Miss and coming in next year and taking someone's spot. Because I wholeheartedly believe that he's better than what they have right now. So, and it's not that they didn't recruit well at the position because you've got Mingo, who was a highly rated four-star. Gregory. Demarcus Gregory, who a knee injury kills him. But, uh, you know, Dennis Jackson, Jaden Jackson, um, they were all highly recruited guys with good offers who just haven't done anything so if you told me they jumped into the transfer portal portal at receiver i'd buy it they could i mean i think they're desperately needing somebody to either step up or they're just going to fix it on the recruiting trail um and there's a question that's farther down and we can jump into it here um yesterday they offered teddy knox a mississippi state commit from the woodlands in texas uh highly rated four-star guy essentially a elijah moore type shifty slot guy who can do a lot of damage in space and look i mean mississippi state there's there's no question that there's some turmoil going on over there so they're definitely going to look at their commits i posted that yesterday on the board they're they're looking at a lot of guys they're trying to flip some guys over there because there's no telling what mike leach is doing i mean he's literally coming out and saying he's purging players so i don't know what that does to your to your brand and your atmosphere over there in that building but yeah one of the questions is where will Ole Miss see the greatest improvement on the field next year after this recruiting cycle? I mean, look, it has to be defensive line. It, it just has to be. They, they have to be better there or or, yeah. or or they're doing this all over again next season. Right. I'd say that or safety because Otis Reese is going to be an immediate starter. Yeah. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, the truth is, Zach, they have to be better at both of those spots. Yeah. There's, I mean, they're playing a lot of young guys right now, so maybe another year experience with the staff in the weight room they'll improve but you know who knows I mean I don't like the argument of well you know bad experience equals you know another year of bad experience equals good you know performance I don't really tend to buy that most of the time but yeah D-line and safety is where they got to be better uh, we'll switch to basketball quickly we'll get back to football in a second any updates on Brandon Huntley Hatfield um, not really not really no. He hasn't committed to reclassifying yet, so he's got time. If he reclassifies, the, obviously the calendar speeds up. Yeah, I think that he will, but he's not committed to it. Um, I still like Ole Miss's chances, but look, there's, he's, yeah. there's going to he's, be competition for him all the way to the end. He's been coy on social media about it. I think he's still thinking about reclassifying. And, I, yeah, I'm with you. I like I Ole too. Miss's chances. Yeah. Um, as of now, do you believe this football class ends up top 30 come signing day? You would know this better than me. I've, I've not, I couldn't tell you where they are today. 
Uh, so right now they're 52. Um, this might, and, and well, I don't know. I'll say it might sound like a cop-out, but with the heavy portal and Juco uh, route they could go, because uh, I don't know what Rivals is doing with, with Juco rankings, because, I mean, a guy like Isaiah Iton, who plays at Hutchison, they're not playing until next spring. So if he's in this class, you know, how are they going to, to rate him without seeing him? Uh, a lot of those guys don't have a rating. I mean, it's like Jamon Gordon, who, you know, if you look at the class and look at the star, the star rating, um, you know, he technically holds Ole Miss's star rating down because he doesn't have a rating. So I think he's a high-level three, possibly four-star junior college player. Um, that certainly bumps up their star rating, which is sitting at, a, at an even three right now. Uh, and then you also got to remember that they've got two kickers in this class. So Costa's a 5.53 star. And Bethel's is a 5.32 star. So they're thrown in the mix as well. I, I would say top 35 is definitely gettable with um, who they're going after. And, I mean, there's been some, some talks of them kind of re-ranking a couple guys. Uh, Braylon Brown is a 5.9 right now. If he keeps playing the way he's playing at St. Thomas Aquinas, I mean, he could possibly flirt with getting a fifth star. Um, but I, again, we, we stressed it enough on here, Neil, just look at the star rating, the average star rating. That's the important number to look at, but yeah, they could get into top 35. I mean, I think they got a really good shot with Taiwan Malone, uh, Talik Robbins, another defensive lineman up there in the Northeast from Philly. He's started to, uh, look at Ole Miss again. I think it's going to be Ole Miss or A&M for him. He, uh, has, I, I talked to a couple uh, guys up there in the Northeast yesterday, they said that he's planning on visiting Oxford with his family at some point. Uh, I think he's wanting to take another look. Chris Partridge has been working him hard. So um, he's a high, I'd say he's not highly rated three-star, but I think he's certainly someone who could get a re-ranking and bump them up a little bit. But he's a defensive tackle, and that's a position of need, and Georgia and A&M have offered him. So that's that should be good enough for folks. It's also a pretty expensive position. So... <laughs> They are the most expensive. Yes, they don't grow on trees. Uh, if Lane Kiffin and Gus Malzahn had a tag team WWE match, I take this to mean against Mike Leach and Ed Orgeron, who you got. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I, listen, what you'd have to do is separate Leach away from Orgeron and end the match there. My money, as long as Orgeron's in the ring, my money's on him. You also have to factor in if this is typical, like, WWE wrestling rules. I think Kiffin would be sly enough to entice Ed Orgeron and get him, you know, get in his head to where he would grab some kind of weapon out from under the right. ring and they'd be disqualified. Yeah, he, he, what you'd want to do is Kiffin would want to get outside of the ring and distract Orgeron and have him running around chasing him on something. And then I think Malzahn could take Leech right there in the middle of the ring. Yeah. And by the time Orgeron realized that the match was over, he could you know, totally lose his mind. You also have to factor in that Malzahn typically operates in only in circles only. So a square would be very confusing for him. That's true. That's true. And uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of distractions that would, <laughs> would, would distract multiple members of that quartet. Right. Uh, <laughs> just, Shut up, Neil. Keep going. Don't talk. 
<laughs> the probationary pen, period ends on 11-30-2020, November 30th. What will this do for recruiting? Um, it allows you to kind of get back in the game. <clears throat> yeah. And, back in the ring, if you will. Right. Um, absolutely. I think they're, they've been, you know, very, 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 very uh, not operating at full capacity. Yeah. You could say. Um, Cautious. They'll, they'll get aggressive. And then, yeah, December signing period is, is still on as far as I know. So more and more recruits are wanting to graduate early, get into college weight program early. So they're going to be very active in that last month, month and a half. Take a guess on when in-person recruiting resumes. Uh, November 5th. Stop. <laughs> Sorry, that was a joke. It... Come on. When's it when uh, start back? I would say probably next cycle, right? I mean, it has to. Oh, you, you're optimistic. You're saying March? I mean, I think after February signing period, I think they will start to look at having camps again, having – you know, regular recruiting cycle activity. And I think that the optimistic Zach Barry comes racing out of the gate. Uh, do you not, do you not think so? No, I don't. Um, I, I I'll okay. stay, I will say June 1st and I'm pessimistic. Okay. June 1st to me is a, is a, is an optimistic date. And I guess uh, that could be lumped in with me saying next cycle okay. where, you know, that summer is when they'll start ramping up having the rivals you know, regional camps and trying okay. to move towards Elite 11, the opening, all that stuff. Because I know that that's uh, – they hated not being able to do that, and that hurts the business because they can't evaluate and see kids. And sure, it's awful. It hurts awful the high every, kids. It's awful yeah. for everyone. Right. It's terrible for the kids. It's terrible for the kids. I mean, I have a, I have a nephew that's a sophomore in, in Alabama who is probably going to be a, a borderline prospect. And he can't, uh, he can't get out and be seen. You know, he was going to go to one of the camps in Atlanta. It got canceled, of course. You know, the, the coaches didn't come out this spring. So you don't get a chance to get kind of discovered or get on the, on the radar a little yeah. bit. So, I mean, hell, could you imagine what it'd be like if they didn't have Huddle? They didn't have Twitter? I mean, it would be – No, it would be awful. Impossible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you give an update on Antonio Harmon? What are your sources saying about Antonio Harmon? Anything any different? Well, so I've talked to a couple of people that have seen him play live. I obviously have not been able to. Um, they say he's impressive. They say that, uh, you know, he looks the part physically. Uh, the question is, has always been the speed. Is he going to be able to have top-end speed to, to be effective? I personally think that he fits perfectly for what they want in a tight end. Um, I mean, he's – not as big as Yaboa, but he could get bigger. I mean, he's north of 210 pounds now. He's big. He's physical. He obviously has ball skills. Um, you know, there was a lot of smoke a couple of weeks ago with Texas, and I talked to some Texas folks, and they didn't really know, um, which that's kind of twofold because with what Tom Herman and them are dealing with right now, they're kind of on lockdown as far as talking to, you know, reporters about things like that. But I, I – if Texas wants him, is you know, is he really a take there? Is Harmon really serious about going there? Because to my knowledge, he's never been to Austin. He's never been to campus. Um, 
from what I've been told, he wants to go to Ole Miss. So I think it's a matter of do they think that he fits what they want to do and would he possibly be willing to play tight end? Because I don't think he's fast enough to play receiver. That's my opinion. Uh, what are the odds that they flip Sheed from LSU? You'll have to tell me who that is. Uh, Jalen Sheed, he's a tight end at Olive Branch High School. Okay. Um, I mean, I think there's a good shot. I mean, he's he's been receptive to their recruiting pitch as of late. Uh, last time I talked to some people, they said that uh, they were definitely still in contact with him. Um, you know, I talk a lot about the Kenny Abo effect and his emergence in this offense has definitely got his attention as well as other tight ends. Um, I know they really like him as as a prospect and uh, he's a, he's a really good athlete. He's played some receiver for all branch. He's played some defensive end for him. So a uh, big athletic kid that I know that they would like to have in this offense uh, to go along with DeMarcus Thomas next year, if uh, Yaboa does not come back, but um, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, LSU doesn't really use a tight end that much. Um, they obviously did last year with Thaddeus Moss, but, Joe Brady's gone. Joe Burrow's gone. So I don't know. Um, but right now, I'd, I'd say they're definitely in it. I definitely think that Kenny Yaboa and, and Joe John Finley have really made their mark so far. You referenced Juco defensive linemen earlier. Any updates on those guys? Um, I mean, I think the names to know right now, Isaiah Iton, uh, Jalen Williams, and uh, – Nigel McGriff for the big three that I know are still uh, still in the mix. Iton, the, uh, he's really blown up out in Hutchison and in, uh, in Kansas. And then you've got Jalen Williams, who's at Jones, and Nigel McGriff, who's at uh, Northwest and Cenotopia. Um, all big 6'3", six, 6'4", six, guys, close to 300, if not north of 300. So those are the bodies they need on that defensive line because um, you know, they're, they're just <laughs> – as we've seen it on Saturday, they're getting absolutely just blown off the football every single week. All right, last uh, six, seven minutes or so. Assuming things are back to normal next year, what's more likely, winning seven games or having a top 15 recruiting class? Ooh. Um, your dogs, there's a dog that just jumped up on top of your bed to attack the other dog. That uh, Yeah. Who knows? They're probably yeah. just going to lick each other's face for like 10 minutes and make a lot of noise. Um, I don't know, Neil. Would you, what if, what if we say both? Ooh. I mean, I think I would, I would see, I, I don't, I'd have to look at their schedule. I don't know it. Um, yeah, that's, that's another thing we don't know. I would have to say a top 15 recruiting class is more likely. Yeah. Um, from a breakout standpoint on the field, I've, I've always thought 2022 was more likely than. 2021. Yeah. Um, Here's one thing that, that I mentioned on the board, and I'll throw it to you to ask you what your thoughts are. I, I mentioned it last week. Uh, the Auburn game was Matt Corral's ninth career start ever. And he is in the third offense in, the, in his third year on campus. So yep. he's had three different coordinators. So I think next year is like the big leap year for him where he can Agreed. You know, obviously – barring Jeff Levy and Kiffin leaving, he'll be in the same offense. It'll be his – he'll be the returning starter. There'll be no questions. There'll be no quarterback controversy. He will have had uh, a spring. 
He'll have, right. he'll have a, a traditional summer. He'll have time with coaches in the summer to go over film, to talk about things, to understand things a little bit more. Things will slow down for him a little bit more. He'll know it's his job. There will be some confidence that I don't know. I think confidence is still something he's developing as we speak. I don't mean the bravado BS stuff. I, I'm talking about real sure. confidence. Yeah, there's a difference um, between swagger and confidence. I thought that his throw late in the game to Yaboa was probably one that on film gave him some confidence. The like one that was a drop? He dropped it. Yeah. Where they probably said to him on film the next day with the emotion of the day gone a little bit, hey, that's a big-time play. Yeah. That's a big-time play. That's putting a ball, that's a seed, right into the middle, hit him in stride. He's going to get to the three, four, five-yard line. You're going to have a shot to go win the game. Um, mm -hmm. That's a big-time play. The fact that the play didn't get made shouldn't and won't take away from that being a confidence-building moment where they can say, hey, Matt, look at this. We only had X amount of time. We probably didn't. On the flip side, they probably said to him, hey, that, that, these 10 seconds that you wasted looking at us, we've got to, we've got to get better at managing those 10 seconds. We let those 10 seconds click off. We could have used those more efficiently. There's, yeah. there's growth there where I think that benefits going into next season. And I agree with you. Right. I, this, this corral bashing thing is beyond me. Like, I don't yeah. get it. I don't get it. I, I think – I thought last Saturday was a really good growing up moment for him because he threw a disastrous pick in the first quarter to where he came off the field. And this is a kid who gets really down on himself. Confidence is an issue. He just come off a six interception game against Arkansas, where quite frankly, if you went back and watched it, it could have been eight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He had, a, he, had, he had a nightmare game. He comes back, boom, pick. You know what's in his head. And yeah. then from that point forward, I thought he managed a really good game. Got, got hurt by drops. Mingo, Yaboa. Um, I, I, thought that, I thought that was a building block game for Matt Corral. And then people go, you're negative. And I'll look at people, I'm like, you're the negative when I'm, I'm sitting here. It, it's weird to me. Um, yeah. And I was going to say this, Neil. I thought that throw was even more impressive because – Ole Miss had shifted to running the ball primarily against Auburn because they took away everything downfield. So to be able to make that throw when you're just – you're not really in rhythm and you haven't been throwing the ball a lot makes it even more impressive. So, yeah, next year I, I expect a big jump offensively from him and just working with the staff for a second consecutive year, not having to learn a completely new offense and just some continuity with, with Levy and Kiffin, I, I expect it to be, to be much better. Just found out that Finley, the dog, the, uh, the, the dog in Oxford that has been missing for four days, has been found and returned to his owner. So that's big news in Oxford today. Yeah, that's awesome news. Yeah, actually, I thought about that earlier. Yeah. yeah, so good, good congratulations good. to Finley and, and his owner. Will transfers count towards rankings? Um, I know this is something, believe it or not, that Rivals has taken some heat for, and I know for a fact that they're working on it, trying to figure out how do you do this? because it's definitely a new part of recruiting and it probably does need to be factored in. I don't know how long that takes. In fairness, nobody else has figured out how to do that either. And, yeah. and, and so it's a lot of legwork to do. 
Yeah, and th so the short answer is no. The long answer is they probably should. The more nuanced answer is they probably should, but I'm glad I don't have that assignment. Yeah, and it, look, it doesn't really matter. I know that that'd be nice to have something to look at on paper, but as an Ole Miss fan, you have to know Otis Reese is a former top 100 player. He signed with Georgia. That should be good enough. You know he's a good player. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a tall task to have to evaluate that kind of thing. Uh, Landshark, Lenny Nine. There's a lot of thoughts here. Ready? Okay. He says, why can Ole Miss recruit and win in smaller team sports but never in football outside of 2014 and 2015? Baseball consistently is in the top 10. Golf produced a national championship with Thornberry and the ladies won the SEC and East Lake Cup. We have a great rifling team. Cross country is great. Basketball consistently loses, although thanks to Kermit, Ole Miss has its best case in school history on paper. Doesn't mean we'll have a ranked team in the near future. Assuming it's all about coaching, which falls on the shoulders of former ADs, is it more to do with the network required in football, but not as critical in the other sports? I mean, yeah. It's, it's Jimmy's and Joe's. That is, you got to have. And Washington's. Yes, you got to have the Lincoln. players. Uh, the other niche sports, uh, you can catch fire. Um, I, mean, I can't believe Landshark Lenny didn't even throw out tennis. Yeah. I mean, Coach Chadwick had it going over there for a long time. Uh, Devin Britton won a national title. Um, Is it a rifler or a rifle per, rifle man, rifle woman? Are you a rifler or are you a rifle woman? Um, I feel like it'd be rifler. Could it? But I don't know. They're number one in the country right now. I know. How about that? But, yeah, uh, yeah, shout out to the lady golf team. Won the East Lake Cup. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's the the obvious answer is it's just the network and other programs have a larger network to operate with and um, you know that can hinder Ole Miss at times. You know you find yourself uh, going up against the likes of Tennessee and Georgia and Texas, Southern Cal, Michigan. It's going to be a little different. Um, it's just finding that right mix of a uh, a good staff with uh can make inroads can build relationships and then um, having a network that can operate uh, at full capacity in a very strategic and uh smart manner i guess that's about as best as we can put it without saying more zach is spending his weekend uh scouting an 11 and 12 year old uh travel baseball tournament looking for the next big commitment for the rebels they are now committing 14 year olds i'm told there's a nine-year-old in the uh, in the smyrna uh, travel ball team league that is just fantastic he's just mashing the ball so zach's going to go talk to his mom and dad get a, a detailed yeah. breakdown on him what kind of pizza he likes that kind of thing pass that on to the the network get that done now, baseball did get a commitment. It hasn't been revealed publicly, but Carl Lafferty did tweet out yeah, this morning. He's 14. He is? We know that for sure? Yes, he's 14. Who is it? I don't know. Some kid who's 14 years old. 
I live with a 14 year old. It's, I realize that's what they do and that's just the deal, but it's hard for me to take that on. Yeah, baseball is like the only sport that does that though, which is odd that you'll have like ninth graders commit. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. I, I just, I don't know. It's people got to forgive me when I'm cynical about stuff like this. Cause I, I live in a house with, I mean, I have a senior in college, senior in high school who has pretty much made a college decision, but you know, you can tell waffles some here and there. And I just can't even imagine a ninth grader making a, a, a firm, resolute college decision. And I realize it's different when you're talking about sports because they're committing to a baseball program more right. than our university. I get it. I will say it. I think, was, I think that's unfortunate that that's the way that works. Yeah. Was the waffling an, an, uh, a nod to is Auburn being considered? <laughs> no. No? Okay. No. <laughs> I, I want to ask you a question, Neil. All right. Last night it, it, it broke um, that 2022 Quinn Ewers decommitted from Texas. Um, and uh, the quarterback? Texas, yes, he's from South Lake Carroll. Um, he is uh, very good. Uh, it looks like all signs are pointing to uh, Columbus, Ohio, and the Buckeyes. But I wanted to kind of and we can close on this i wanted to ask you how much longer is tom herman getting on the 40 acres well i just got through talking to uh chris landry about that and uh not long i mean i think i think he's in trouble i mean if anybody honestly points to well they won the sugar bowl against georgia i mean come on like that was that was the georgia didn't want to be there any more than ole miss wanted to be at the peach bowl against tcu that year that's correct. And then, and even then, what were they? Eight and four that year, or nine and four with that win? I mean, yeah, that, that it just hasn't worked. The question is, can anyone make it work? Well, I was going to say that's my ultimate stay away job because I don't know how you make those folks happy. It would be hard. Yeah, I. Who who would go? Who would you? say would go there uh i mean i think a lot of people would but you'd have to ask questions does urban meyer take that job number one if he doesn't take it do they you know they they want to hit big they want to go get a ryan day from ohio state they they want to get you know someone of that nature would would i don't know i mean i, I you know is the star a little bit dimmer now with james franklin uh Where would you rather be, Penn State or Texas? You know, Texas has issues right now. I mean, I, I, I think Texas is an overall better job. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think they're – Big 12 technically easier? Yeah, probably. I think the thing is, you know, you, who makes sense? You know, you could go – would Billy Napier do a good job? Of course. Is that going to fire up anybody in Austin? No. Um, no, yeah, I mean – you know, I, I mean, I, they, they wanted Nick Saban last time and probably had a real shot at Nick Saban last time, and then they just didn't get it done. And so, I don't know, Zach, long story short, I'm, I'm of the opinion that we've talked about this before, just because you won at Tennessee once doesn't mean you win at Tennessee again. Just because once Nebraska was a power doesn't make it so again. Just because Miami was once a power doesn't make it so again. Just because Texas – was once a power and looks like it should be a power and has all the resources to be a power doesn't mean that it's positioned to truly be a power. I, that's just me. I, I, I think we have a tendency to go, oh, well, they once won. So? Yeah. I mean, Texas in 2020 is very different from Texas in 2001. 
right now it is. And they have all these things politically going on there. And then, you know, what's the future? Where, where do they go when the, when the right of, when their rights deal goes, do they stay in the, in the big 12? Do they, do they flip leagues? If I'm taking that job, I have a lot of questions before I take it. Now that being said, lots of money, lots of resources. Um, Austin's a great place to live, a huge recruiting base, but for whatever reason or reasons, the top players in Texas have stopped going to Texas. And I'd have to find out why that is before I just assumed that my presence walked in there and changed the game. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. Cause I mean, it has all the makings, like you said, of being a premier program on and off the field, but uh, yeah, yeah I, the landscape has changed with, you know, A&M being better, TCU being better, other programs in the state investing in football. Cause before it was, you know, it's Texas hook them, baby. You, you're going to come here. You're not going to go anywhere else, but yeah, now it's, it's, you know, Gary Patterson is still at TCU and doing a nice job. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I thought Herman would work there. I was never really big fan of him, but I thought he'd work, but oh boy. Yeah. All right. We'll stop there. Um, appreciate the time very much. Thanks for uh, all the questions from everyone. Appreciate those as well. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxy. Don't forget deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Enter promo code Rebel Grove at checkout and you get 30% off your um, your order or is that barry oh wow look at that look at that show me the money award that he got that is awesome all right for zach i'm neil until next time take care